Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 33. God willing, we're going to, like I say, we're going to polish off uh, the book of Deuteronomy. Next week, the book of Romans. Would to God that when I was a Roman, that's to say a Roman Catholic, somebody taught me the book of Romans. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what did happen, and look at me now. So, uh, you know, feel free to invite people, especially those who are Romans. Um, or anybody, because I think the Church of Jesus Christ struggles with the pure gospel. No matter how well-intentioned, people just keep wanting to mix works up in it. And um, we're going to talk talking about things like eternal security, because Paul certainly does. He wrote the book on that. And this is the gospel in its purest form, this treatise, this book of Romans. I... Uh, it's written by a blazing intellect. Uh, I don't have a blazing intellect, uh, so we'll struggle in parts, but uh, God willing, I think we'll we'll have a really good time, and I, I really think it's a, w- one of the high watermarks in the New Testament. So anyway, that's for next week. Now this week, Deuteronomy chapter 33. First five verses are very difficult. They're poetical, and so I listen to this guy who's a... a, a, a a Jewish speaker, and he struggled with this like everybody else, and he says that, you know, the people wrestle with this. Do so you have anything different from the King James? It's going to be a wide variant in the way these verses are translated. I am not a Jewish scholar, so we'll get through them best we can. This is the blessing wherewith Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. Moses is going to die today. Well, we're going to read about his death today. And uh, this is the last, these are his last words. And they're in a form of a blessing. I think that says a lot. And he said, the Lord came from Sinai and rose up from Seir unto them. He shined forth from Mount Paran and he came with ten thousands of saints from his right hand went a fiery law for them. So we have Sinai and the law. Verse 3, yea, he loved the people. All his saints are in thy hand, and they sat down at thy feet. Everyone shall receive of thy words. Okay, in verse 2, we have a fiery law. In verse 3, for God loved the people. I want you to understand, the law it wasn't given because God hates us. The law was given because God loves us. And it reflects his character. The problem with you and I not being able to keep it doesn't mean the law is bad. And God gives it to us and says, hey, look, all things being equal, this is how I feel about things. You know why you shouldn't commit adultery? Because I don't play around on you. I don't, I don't uh, uh, step out on you. I'm faithful to you. You should be faithful to your spouse. You know, the reason uh, that we shouldn't uh, take things, God doesn't take things. You know what I mean? He's, he's, he, he gives us personal property. He believes in the concept. He doesn't you know, this reflects his attitude, his personality, who he is. It's a good thing. And he says here that he loves us and that he gave us his law. Oh, I, I, I should say that he loves the children of Israel and he gave them his law, if I want to be precise. Uh, verse 4, Moses commanded us a law, even the inheritance of the congregation of Jacob. Now, some would say, well, Moses didn't write this. He's talking, in a, he's either talking about himself in the third person or somebody else is writing this and referring back. And by the way, this is death. How do you write about your own death before it happens? Listen, again, I have no problem with that. Uh, did Joshua write chapter 33 and 34? Some people think so. Or some, somebody else. I don't know if Joshua wrote it. I don't even know if Joshua wrote Joshua. We don't know that, okay? Um, it, here's the thing. God, God was there when, before the beginning when he said, light be. Moses wasn't there, and Moses accurately recorded it. How did that happen? Because God told him, hey, I want you to write this. So here's Moses, and God saying, hey, write this about your death. This is the way it's going to play out. Moses is writing it down. Or Joshua or somebody right. Does it matter, really, at the end of the day? It's all God's word. And I never really bother too much with who the writer is. The writer is the Holy Spirit of God. Figure it out. So uh, whether it was Moses or it was somebody else, I don't think it really. And people debate, and books are written, and I think, like, save the trees. Who cares? 
Really, you know, it's all the word of God, whether, whether, any, whoever wrote it. Uh, uh, Moses commanded us the law, even the inheritance of the congregation of Jacob. And he was king in Jerusalem uh, when the head of the people and the tribes of Israel were gathered together. We sat where Jeshurun, Je, uh, I probably said it wrong. And back in uh, last chapter, in verse 15, but Jerusalem waxed fat and kicked. He's using this sarcastically, I think, because the name means like upright one. And it's kind of a pet name. Uh, and it's, but here I think he means it sincerely, upright one. Because back when he says it in verse 15 of the last chapter, it's not, it's not favorable. It's when they kind of rebelled. But here he's, he was king in Jeshurun when the heads of the people and the tribes of Israel were gathered together. Who? Moses? In a very real way. He was the lawgiver. He was, the, he was in charge, if you want to put it that way. Now, he's going to bless the 12 tribes. It says that in verse 1. This is a blessing wherewith Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel. So verse 6 starts the blessing proper. And he goes through the 12 tribes and has the word to say. And if you want to study this out, you can look at uh, uh, Jacob's prophecy. And I think it's either chapter 48 or 4. I think it's chapter 49 of Genesis where he blesses the 12 tribes. And see how these relate to each other. It's a very fascinating study. I'm not going to do it now. Why? Because we're not children of Israel. We're not, I, you know, where it says, let Reuben live and not die, let his men be few. How many Reubenites we have here? Even if you were one, you wouldn't know it. And so I don't know, you know, I'm going to go through it. We don't skip verses. We certainly don't skip whole, ch whole chapters. Get what you can from it. But here's what I got, you know, it's a homework question. For Wednesday night, if you were to appropriate from one of these tribes its blessing, if you could steal its blessing, so to speak, and put it on yourself, which one would it be? So as we get on through, keep intellectually engaged because you're going to, that's what we're going to talk about Wednesday night, right? One of, those, one of those questions that you have. Now, my shameless plug for Wednesday night, if you're not part of what's going on Wednesday night, why aren't you? It's a fun time. I don't think anyone has a bad time. Uh, we're in people's homes. If you say, well, I don't know where these homes are, well, come see me. I will, I will give you directions. I will give you even uh, as much as addresses that you can put in your GPS. Uh, and so it's more round table. I don't drone on and on and on like I do here in Sunday morning. We can't all share. It would be bedlam. You know how it would be on a Sunday morning or something when we're together? We're in people's houses, and you have a chance to share and ask questions. I think more learning Real learning happens in small groups and Bible studies than um, even perhaps what could happen here on any given Sunday. Okay, so now we're going through, and, and so one of the questions again is, which one of these is your favorite blessing? Which one would you appropriate to you? Now, he doesn't go in birth order. He doesn't go in order of prominence or importance. And so you're going to say, what order does he go in? Well, one guy I was listening to says he goes from basically where they inherited the land, basically from south to north and from west to east. And you'd think things are east to west, but no, it's west to east. And you think things are north to south, but no, it's south to north in this case. And that's kind of the general way these uh, pour out. Because if you know the birth order, you're saying, Wait a second, he skipped this one. He didn't miss this one altogether. He didn't, wait, what's going on here? Well, he doesn't do it in birth order. Although he does start with number one. Reuben is the oldest, okay? Let Reuben live and not die, and let not his men be few. That's why all he says. Uh, why should Reuben die? Well, he, he slept with his father's concubine, and he lost his birthright because of it, and he never seems to get out, of, out from under the shadow of that. Uh, and he, but, he, but here, he, it's a blessing. It says, let, not, let Reuben live and not die, and let not his men be few. Now, if you have a different version, it might say, let Reuben live and not die, and let his men be few. The word not there isn't in Hebrew. And if you see it in your King James Bible, it's italicized. It's because the people who translated this added it for clarity. Very often, I'm against added for clarity because I think it gums it up and it doesn't clarify. Here, I don't know. Because again, there's very much debate over what's being said. But I, and 
there's reasons why people say no. He's, he's saying definitely let his let his men be few, and then he's saying then someone say well no he's saying this let not his men be few. Does it matter to you one way or another? Um, I, I'm not an expert, which by the way I never let that stop me. Uh, don't you don't you think it'll stop me in the future? But just remember this: Moses is saying a blessing, so I think it's the not is actually implied there. Let not his men be few. Let him not die. Let not. It makes more sense too, by the way. I don't want him to die, but I just want him to have a few people. I mean, think it all the way through. And by the way, if I was receiving that, and I'm, I'm Reuben of the head of the tribe, I'm not very blessed by that, okay? Yeah, just have a few people just hanging on, just teetering on the brink of extinction at any moment. Uh, so I think it's let, his, let not his men be few. This is the blessing of Judah. Uh, he has verses and verses for Levi. And you know, uh, if you look at, uh, Judah has a lot in what Jacob says in his prophecy over the tribes. Here, Judah's got one verse. This is the blessing of Judah. And he said, Hear, Lord, the voice of Judah, and bring him unto his people. Let his hands be sufficient for him, and be thou in help to him from his enemies. Usually there's a lot to say because we know that Jesus comes from the tribe of Judah. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Um, Hear, Lord, the voice of Judah. That's funny, isn't it? Because if you know, and if you always think in terms of what these names mean, he just says, hear, Lord, the voice of praise, because that's what Judah means. It means praise. By the way, if you have a, if you're expecting, and you're expecting a boy, Judah is a totally cool name, but that's for another time. And Levi said, and of Levi he said, let thy Thummim and thy Urim be with thy Holy One, whom thou didst prove at Massa, and with uh, whom thou didst strive at the waters of Meribah, who said unto his father and his mother, I have not seen him, neither did he acknowledge his brethren, nor knew, knew his own children, for they have observed thy word and kept thy covenant. They shall teach Jacob thy judgments and Israel thy law. They shall put incense before thee and hold burnt sacrifice upon uh, thine altar. Bless, Lord, his substance, and accept the work of his hands. Smite through the loins of them that rise up against him, and of them that hate him, that they rise not again. A lot of prophecy, a lot of blessing here for Levi. Starts out with the Thummim and thy Urim. You know, it says five times about the Urim and Thummim in Scripture. It means lights and perfections. Here, it's the only place where it says Thummim and Urim. What you're going to do with that little factoid, I have no idea. Uh, but I, again, that never stopped me from commenting. I think it's this. You know, every time the Bible says grace and peace, it says grace and peace. And we make much of that, that grace is before peace. We will talk about that when we get into the book of Romans. Will you able, will you able, ever able, will you ever be able to have peace with God without experiencing the grace of God? No. Have grace, and now you will understand the peace of God. And it has to be in that order. You can see that. But here, he, it's, it's the Urim and the Thummim. And these are probably special stones that were in the breastplate, the ephod of the high priest, right? He had the 12 stones representing the 12 tribes. He ministered before the Lord, bringing the 12 tribes before the Lord in the symbolic kind of way. Urm and Thummim will help to determine what the will of God was in a certain situation. Sometimes you'll see it referred to as a synecdoche, uh, bring the ephod uh, and here and let's you know, find out what God says. But this specifically talking about the Urm and the Thummim. Were they used as some sort of like dice that were cast and God made sure they came up the way so that we could... I, I don't know. I don't know. Nobody really knows. Uh, but here, it's changed. Now it's Thummim and Urm, and I think that puts them on a level footing so that, you know, we won't say you can't have light, with, you can't have perfection until you have light. Because I, th I think they're just two aspects of knowing the will of God, light and perfection. And, uh, and then, um, remember, by the way, as Moses is saying this, he's of the tribe of Levi, uh, that's why, be with the, thy Holy One, whom thou didst prove at 
Massa, and with whom thou didst strive at the waters of Meribah. Is he talking about himself? Well, that's the only person who was there except Aaron, that they had contention. Uh, he became angry with Moses and with Aaron at, at Meribah. Who said unto his father and to his mother, I have not seen him, neither did he acknowledge his brethren, nor knew his own children, for they have observed thy word and kept thy covenant. What's that all about? When they received the, uh, the, the, the law, he came down and the people were involved in an orgy. I don't love the word. Uh, they were involved in pagan, ritualistic, false worship that was sexual in nature. And so Moses and Aaron said, who's on God's side? Strap your sword on and let's get after it. And this is what it's talking about, I think. It's referring to who said unto his father and mother, I, I have not seen him, neither did he acknowledge his brethren. I don't care. Father, mother, sister, brother, we're taking care of this business. And because of the zeal of the tribe of Levi, that's, why God, that's when God put, elevated them to priesthood. They shall teach Joseph, uh, Jacob thy judgments, and Israel thy law. So God takes the tribe of Levi, he doesn't give them an inheritance in the land. He gives them 48 cities spread from Dan to Beersheba, kind of like salt shaker, and shakes them out all over. So there will be Levitical cities that anyone's like a day's journey or less away from. And if they have questions, if they have, you know, they can go and they can ask a priest and they will teach Jacob thy judgments and Israel thy law. They shall put incense before thee, the, the burnt uh, the altar of incense, right? And hold burnt sacrifice upon thine altar. It's only given to Levitical priesthood to do the sacrifices at the temple, at the tabernacle, later on the temple. Bless, Lord, his substance, except the work of his hands. Still speaking of Levi. Smite through the loins of them that rise against him and of them that hate him, that they rise not again. And of Benjamin, he said, the beloved of the Lord shall dwell in safety by him, and the Lord shall cover him all the day long, and he shall dwell between his shoulders. Uh, and of Joseph, he said, now Joseph devolves into uh, Manasseh and Ephraim in birth order, and you'll, you'll see that they're out of order again, because they always are. Uh, Jacob blesses Ephraim over Manasseh, and that's a story for another time. But uh, it's, he has a lot of things to say of, to Joseph, too. And of Joseph, he said, Blessed of the Lord be his land for the precious things of heaven, for the dew and for the deep that couches beneath, and for the precious fruits brought forth by the sun, and for the precious things put forth by the moon, and for the chief things of the ancient mountains, and for the precious things of the lasting hills, and for the precious things of the earth, and fullness thereof, and for the good will of him that dwelt in the bush. Let the blessing come upon the head of Joseph, and upon the top of the head of him that was separated from his brethren. Um, it sounds very fruitful. You remember, that's the name of Ephraim, is, means fruitful. His glory is like the firstling, of his bullock, and his horns are like the horns of a unicorn. You'll have in another, uh, it'd be like wild ox in another, uh, in like the NASB and other versions. Not really unicorns. The Bible doesn't speak of unicorns in the sense like they're mythical beasts and they are scripturally too. Some people have borrow, borrowed that word, but it's, it's, kind of, it's, not, it's not correct. With them he shall push the people, that's the, the horns is the idea. And besides, it's the horns, plural. As you know, unicorns, even mythologically, famously only have one horn. Um, with them shall he push, uh, and because it would say with it, if it was singular, with them, horns, right? Shall he push the people together to the ends of the earth. And by the way, that's what horns are symbolic of, strength, right? Pushing. Uh, as, as it were. And he shall push the people together to the ends of the earth, and they are the ten thousands of Ephraim, and they are the thousands of Manasseh. Manasseh shall be a great people, thousands, but here to Ephraim he ascribes tens of thousands because it's the bigger tribe, and it's the one that gets the most blessing. Manasseh means forgetting. One of Joseph's sons, you remember. 
I always think that's a kind of a little parable in his name. You can't really move on with God till you forget the pain, the misery, the things that are dragging you down. And then fruitfulness, Ephraim, comes. But like I say, that's a, it's a parable and a story for another time. And of Zebulun, he said, Rejoice, Zebulun, in thy going out, and Issachar in thy tents. So you get two, uh, two tribes there after share of earth. Uh, they shall call the people unto the mountain. They, uh, there they shall they offer sacrifices of righteousness, for there sh- uh, they shall suck of the abundance of the seas and of treasures hidden in the sand. That uh, verse there, treasures hidden in the sand, have caused some to think that there's oil there and have drilled in that, in that area, in that region. They have found a, big, a large, very large deposit of oil in um, Israel, but it's down by the Dead Sea which is, by the way, scary to everybody else. If it's always Dead Sea's lowest point in Earth. It's lower than Dead Valley here in, here in the United States, where it's our lowest point. It's like hundreds of feet, thousands of feet below sea level. And if that's oil there, and you start draining that, all the other oil that's in the area, you, you know what I mean? People are very nervous about that. People who aren't uh, Israelites. And of Gaddy said, but and I don't, I don't know. Uh, and by the way, up in Golan, they've uh, discovered one of the world's largest natural gas disp- deposits. With this natural gas is oil. We, we all know that. So, uh, you know, the big joke was like, uh, you know, 40 years they, you know, we're in the wilderness wandering about, and they get to the only place around that whole area where there's no oil. Well, it didn't work out that way. There is oil there, and that's how it. It's, and will that have something to do with the uh, Ezekiel 37, 38 invasion uh, from Gog and Magog? I, I think so. Because if you read carefully in Ezekiel there, it's for a plunder. Anyway, again, that's a story for another time. I got, I got all these things to say, but if I chase these rabbits, I won't get said what needs to be addressed here this morning. And of Gad, he said... Blessed be he that enlargeth Gad. He dwelleth as a lion and teareth his arm with the crown of thy head. He provideth the first part for himself, because there it in, because there, in a portion of the lawgiver was he seated, and he came with the heads of the people. He executed the justice of the Lord, and his judgments with Israel. It's what he says about Gad. Again, you, you're going through these, you're saying, is this the one I want, is this the one I want? You get to select one, right? And of Dan, he said, Dan is a lion's whelp. He shall leap from Bashan. Interesting, in a couple of ways. Gad is compared to a lion. Dan is compared to a lion. Um, you remember, Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, and we have an adversary, like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. When Scripture talks about lion. It could refer to it could be a very good thing or a very bad thing, right? We know they're ravenous beasts they destroy. If you've got a lion coming after you, you're having a bad day. Um, here, Dan is a lion's whelp. He shall leap from Bashan. Now, Bashan, this is funny because, like, we don't know. Reread this, and if you're a well adjusted, happy Christian, you read this and you say, you go on to the next verse. But you go to church, hey, you're not happy or well-adjusted. Okay, those, that, that ship is sailed. He's saying, Bashan, why Bashan? Bashan is up in the Golan Heights. Dan didn't get that. When they, uh, they had a lottery for the land, and you go here and you go here, and this is yours, and this is the border, and it goes down here to Scorpions Pass, and it cuts across there over to Bethel, and, uh, and, it gives it, and he lays it all out. Dan is, is he, he's not happy with his inheritance, so, and this is chronicled in the book of Judges. And he moves up to the area of Laish and he takes over the people there and then he names it Dan. And now we know from like Dan to Beersheba, you know, from the north to the south. But it didn't originally start that way. But here he's got, he, it's almost like a prophecy. He's got Dan up in the Bashan, up in the Golan Heights before Dan... And, you know, it's kind of would be funny when that rolled out and you're saying, Dan doesn't leap from Bashan. They ain't anywhere near there. Well, yeah, it it would end up that way. Anyway, 
And Naphtali, he said, O Naphtali, satisfied with favor, full with the blessing of the Lord, possess thou the west and the south. Um, and of Asher, he said, let Asher be blessed with children. Let him be acceptable to his brethren. Let him dip his foot in oil. Thy shoes shall be iron and brass, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. I, this is the last of the blessings. I want to spend a couple seconds here of, in Asher. Let, his, let him dip his foot in oil. So we have people drilling in Asher, the ancient homeland of Asher, looking for oil as well. But the word is olive oil, and if you go to this area, it's abundant with olive oil. There's olive trees everywhere, is what I'm told. We'll find out in January, won't we, honey? Uh, so uh, I don't know. Uh, by the way, people drilling and trying to find, God bless them. I, I think that's, that's fine. That's wonderful. And if you take the word of God so seriously, you're willing to make an investment. I think you're not too far from wrong. Just, just saying. Thy shoes shall be of iron and brass. That's the idea with the ability to trod down people. If, you, if uh, somebody's standing on your head, you want them to be wearing ballet slippers. You don't want them to have these iron boots on. That won't, you know, that won't do it all. And the idea of the iron and brass is, you know, when they step down on something, it's, it's, it's underfoot. It's pretty well taken care of. As thy days, so shall thy strength be. What a, what a, what a blessing. What a, that's what I want. As my days, so shall my strength be. So far, it's worked out pretty good. I'm no 18-year-old anymore, and I think I'm not fooling myself into thinking that I am. But you know what I want? I want as my age, so shall my strength be. I don't want to outlive my body. I don't want to, I don't want to be... Some, some people, that's a, that's, a real, that's a real problem. Mom was very, very concerned. She didn't want to outlive her mind. She didn't want to, like, you know, be a vegetable. So she died back in June. She didn't, she didn't want to, you know, lose her mind. And she kind of felt like her uh, memory was getting away from her. I don't know how normal, how healthy that is. I don't know if it's our lifestyle. I don't know if it's the things we eat. But we seem to lose cognitive function. Is that a natural thing? I, I don't know. Or is it just an American thing? I don't want my brain to fail me. I want to be able to teach this word until the time I tip over. I want, you know what I want? I want as, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. I want to be rugged and strong right to the very end. That's what I want. Uh, God's given me a measure of that. It's kind of funny. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm working outside in the this summer, earlier this year. Now, I'm, as you know, I'm at, I'm working indoors, and who cares where I'm working? But I was working outdoors, and heat doesn't really bother me like it affects a lot of people. And so I'm working. I got a little sweat going stuff, and I'm just working away, working away. And so it's 90 degrees and stuff, and people are like, oh, my goodness, it's so hot. It's so hot. It's so hot. And I'm thinking, like, yeah, okay, whatever. I think a part of it's mind over matter. If you're, you can talk yourself into a sunstroke if you want to. I don't, I don't know. I really think that that's part of it. Or maybe it just doesn't affect me. I, I don't know. But so people are going home, right? And so they go to the boss and they say, um, I got to get out of here. This is killing me. This is so hot. You going home and that old man's out in that field. Are you kidding me right now? And they use me to kind of guilt everybody. And I don't know. I, I, I think it's kind of funny, but I think it's kind of a blessing. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm strong. I, I haven't. They, sometimes they treat me like, oh, no, we'll let some of the kids do that. And I'm thinking, like, I got this. I got this. And I kind of take it like as a personal insult. Like, what do you, what do you think, I'm an old man or something? Like, well, I am. But uh, I'm not the most rugged person in the world, but I, I can do a good day's work. And I like that because I know people who are younger than me are in nursing homes, some. And some have, like, not lived well and used their body well. And some have sickness and some have ailments that get, that's not a... Not a reflect. There's two types of ailments. Some are just you. You blew it. You used your body all wrong. Smoked, drank, uh, ate horribly. Not exercise. I get that. And some. And but some people are just not healthy because they have had medical issues and conditions and stuff. And I get that. I'm no one's judge. I'm not saying it that way. Okay. And I'm not. I don't put you in any class or anything like that. I'm not. I just thank God that I've got the health and the strength. And this is my prayer. Uh, Lord, as my life, as my days, so shall my strength be. I don't want to run out of 
vigor before I run out of days. I want them both to be expired at the, at the, at the same time. I don't want to run out of money before I run out of days. You know what I mean? A friend of mine said he wanted to write his last check at the same time he took his last breath. He said if he planned it real well, it would be to the undertaker. And if he really, really planned it well, it would bounce. I always thought that was very funny, but I, I, I don't want to run out of money. I don't want to run out of strength. I don't want to run out of memory. I want, I want all this stuff to last to the, to the time that I expire, right? And if I have... The rapture happens that I have plenty of energy and plenty of memory and plenty of money left, and I leave it all behind, great, I don't care. It don't matter, you know what I mean? But uh, I want my, my days, so shall I strength be. Now he goes into a blessing. There is none like unto the God of Jeshurun. Again, that, the upright one, right? Who rideth upon the heaven in thy help. I heard somebody say, nothing fails like prayer, being very sarcastic. Are you, what, what? Are you, you you're joking, right? Are you, or are you just, your elevator doesn't go all the way to the top. Wait, what? Jesus prays in crazy, miraculous, incredible, beyond explanation things happen. And you pray in the same thing. No, it doesn't always work that way. God's not our, 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 our servant boy. We snap our fingers and he comes, what do you need, what do you need? Like right now, boss. He's not that. But he's our loving Heavenly Father. There is none like unto the God of Jeshurun who rideth upon the heaven in thy help and in his excellency on the sky. The eternal God is thy refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. He shall thrust out the enemy from before thee and he shall say, destroy them. Boy, it's getting crazy out there. I, I, I can't imagine how it's going to get any more crazy. And sometimes I, I think, like, what's the end of all this? Um, people are putting themselves against God. And I, I feel so bad for them. It's not going to... The eternal God is our refuge. Underneath are, are, are the, the everlasting arms. He shall thrust out the enemy from before thee, We'll see that happen in the, uh, in the beginning books of Joshua whenever we get there. The book of Joshua is God thrusting out the enemies of Israel before them. He's going to do it. Will he do it with us? Well, our enemies, if we do it right, are his enemies. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But he has enemies. People stand against God and say, we will not have this one rule over us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. And that, you read the rest of the chapter, it doesn't play out well for the enemies of God. It, but it never does. I'm going to stand against God. I don't know who he thinks he is. That is such a bad plan. Israel then shall dwell in safety alone. The fountain of Jacob shall be upon a land of corn and wine, but also his heavens shall drop down dew. Happy art thou, O Israel, who is like unto thee, O people, saved by the Lord. The shield of thy help, and who is the sword of thy excellency? And thy enemies shall be found liars unto thee, and thou shalt tread upon their high places. A lot can be said. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Let's just keep moving. Chapter 34. We've come to the end of the book of Deuteronomy. Did Moses write this chapter? I don't know. Again, if it matters to you, why don't you buy one of those many books or read one of those many articles that debate it. And Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the mountain of Nebo to the top of Pisgah, that is over against Jericho. There's a Mount Pisgah down in Monmouth. Me and Sue climb it fairly regularly. We really like it. There's a, there's a tower on the top. It's one mile walk, not one mile up. That's Mount Katahdin height, right? It's one mile from where you park to where you go. And at the beginning, it's kind of steep. And so like when you first I <sighs> and I had a kind of, last time I did, I had this kind of like, cold thing going. I couldn't breathe hardly to save my life. But then you get out and it kind of plateaus and it's just a nice gradual and it's very pleasant and you can probably uh, you know, 
GPS it and find it. We we went a couple of three weeks ago, a couple of friends. It was a good time. It was had by all. Uh, but this isn't that Pisgah. This is where he takes a look at the promised land. Uh, so here he is going over the plains of Moab. He's climbing this mountain. It's about 4,000 feet. It's over 4,000 feet. It's not a little bump. It's not a little hill. It's a, it's a regular mountain. And here he's 120 years old. I'd like to think... Uh, we would have mountain climbers here at 120 and 62, I don't know. Last time I climbed, climbed Mount uh, Katahdin, I think I was about 55. It just about, oh, it, I'm going to say it killed me. It, it, me and Suze uh, did it together last time we went, and she just ran up that like a mountain goat, and I was I, I was hoping that like she sprained her ankle or something like that. I was really, uh, and I was kind of like, I was you know, it's just and stuff. But then she had this knee problem on the way down, and I kind of tell you, I'm ashamed to say I was a little bit happy about it. She had a limp all the way down the mountain. But I, I tell you, I was limping for a week and a half afterwards, so it kind of worked out. So we're not we're not spring chickens anymore. But we still, I think I was about 55, wasn't it? I think I was. I think we were 55 at that time. Well, not that she was ever 55. I was I was 55. She was 29, whatever. I don't know, but. Um, that that was the last time. I I'd like to think I'd like to try it now. I I really would, but I I don't I don't know how well that would work out. But here he's 120. He goes up, and he's a solitary figure. You remember when uh, Aaron went up the mountain to die? He went with uh, Moses, and he went with Eleazar, and maybe Ithmar. I can't remember. You remember uh, Aaron had two sons who died before the Lord because they offered uh, strange fire. You remember that, right? And then uh, his son Eleazar took over as like the high priest after him. So he brings, Moses brings up Eleazar and, and see, so he didn't die alone. He was with like Moses and his son. And I'm sure there was some trepidation like, you know, I'm going to die. I got to die now. Okay. Is this going to be painful? Is this going to hurt? What's going to happen? Is it gonna, am I going to be in darkness? Am I, is it going to be soul sleep? Gonna, they probably had all those questions and stuff. And most of the guys, you know, God told me, it's going to be all right, Aaron. It's going to be all right. Was it all right? He was gathered to his people. Do you remember? It was kind of a beautiful scene. Well, here's Moses, but Moses is going up all by himself. And I think all the it, ch- children of Israel watching this as he made this, this one man, this man who led him for 40 years, is making his ascent up. How long? could they see him was was there great agony was there great emotion was you can sense the pathos in this in this chapter he went up it's over against jericho he could look across and see jericho there so close he could almost taste it and the lord showed him all the land of gilead Unto Dan. Dan's way up north. North. You can't see Dan. So they tell me there's a plaque here on Pisgah now. Dan, 417 miles, whatever it is. I don't. I don't know. Okay. It's not that much. But but you can't see it. God showed it to him. You remember when? I. It doesn't surprise me. Do you remember when uh, Satan is tempting Jesus and he shows him, he takes him to exceeding high mountain, he shows him all the kingdoms of the world? How do you, how does that, what high mountain is that? I don't care if you climb Everest. We don't have a taller hill than Everest, right? You can't see all the kingdoms of the world. You can't do it. So something supernatural is going on. Well, something supernatural even Satan can do. I'm pretty sure God can, Okay. Uh, but he sees Dan way up north. Dan isn't even going to be there. So he's also seeing into the future. And he see, look what he looks at. He looks at the land of Gilead unto Dan and all Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh and all the land of Judah unto the utmost sea. They're none of those things. Uh, the children of Naphtali, they're down on, on, in Moab on the base of the mountain. He just climbed. 
But he sees the land of Naphtali. He sees, because you know what? God calls things that are not as though they were. God says it and says, no, Dan, Naphtali, Asher, it's all going to play out. Here's Gilead up here. Here's uh, half the tribe of Manasseh over here. Here's the other half of the tribe of Manasseh. And God says it. And you're thinking like, gee, I wonder if it's going to roll out that way. Look, when God says it, it's a certainty. God talks about the future like it's already happened. Why? Is he arrogant? Is he like, is he like calling a shot? Watch this. Yeah, I don't think it's arrogant. I think he's just in a place of certainty. He just knows how it's going to be. We're the ones who struggle with that. God, when I die, is it going to be good and glorious and wonderful? And Oh, I'm so scared. Scared of dying? Do you, okay, did you ever open a Bible and read it? It's not a scary thing at all. Oh, it's a terror-filled thing to fall into the hands of the living God when you're opposed to him and you don't worship him. That's terrifying. It seems like the people who should have terror don't. And the people who should have comfort and look forward to the heavenly home being with Jesus Christ forever are full of trepidation. And I never understood that as long as I never get it. Listen, when it's my time to die... This is Moses' time. I want to do it well. I consider it part of my vocation. Now, if he wants that trumpet blast to happen and us to gloriously be resurrected, yay, God, because you know what? That's my preference too. But if God wants me to die, I want to die honoring him. I want to die well, I want to be at my post with my boots on. If I were teaching the Word of God and I just tipped over and nobody could revive me, great, the best way to go. God, are you listening? I want to do my own funeral. I want to, I want to just, just eulogize myself. I don't even want to do that. I want to teach about God, tell you about the Lord, jump in the casket and say, I'll tell Jesus you all said hi. Now, the timing has to be really good there. You can't mess this up, okay? But I, I, I really want to, uh, that's how I want to die. If I die wasting away with some disease and you die by a few degrees every day, I don't want that. Nobody wants that. If that's what God has prescribed for me, bless his holy name. I want to do it well without complaint, without murmur, without... It's, it's part of our vocation. And, I, and fear should never be part of the prescription. I'm sorry to say it. I just, so many people fear dying. Once you figure it out, it's just a change of address. The death of his saints is a precious thing in his sight. Ah, uh, I... Once you're not afraid of death, you're a, you can really be used by God in a way that... Because I think a lot of times we're just always nerved up about... I, I'd like to step out in faith and do this thing for God, but what if it goes sideways? What's the worst thing that could happen? You could die. What's well, the best thing that could happen? In my way of thinking. And once you forget that, out, there's no stopping you. Let's keep going. He showed him all these things. And the south and the plain of the valley of Jericho, verse 3, and the city of palm trees unto Zoar, that's down by the Dead Sea. And the Lord said unto him, This is the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, unto Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed. I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not go over thither. Now, one of the homework questions is, why did he see it at all? He's not going there. What's the point? Does it have a point? Well, you're going to figure that out, but I want to tell you something. This is not an exact answer here. Because a lot of people say, well, what's the point? Is this a blessing or is this like, nah, 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 you can't go in. Well, it's not that. God's not like that. But what's, what's the point? He'd never been in the promised land. You remember, he was born in Egypt after 40 when he escapes because he's fearing the wrath of the king after he kills that guy. He, he goes into what is now Arabia, right? And the backside of the desert for 40 years. He's never been in the promised land. And God had promised it unto, unto Abraham, unto Isaac, unto Jacob. He gets to look at it, but he doesn't get to go there. 
So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. Because when God says a thing, it always turns out that way. He buried him in a valley in the land of Moab over against Beth Peor, but no man knoweth of his sepulcher unto his, this day. Now, if you go to Pisgah and you look for his tomb, he, one, you won't find it. And I think it's a fool's errand. But he buried him. God buried Moses in a valley. There's a difference between a mountain and a valley. If you can't, if you can't get those, you'll never find him. If you're looking at a mountaintop and you get show up there with a spade and start turning over earth, you ain't going to find Moses, okay? Ain't going to happen. He, he buried him in a valley. But no one knows. No man knoweth of his sepulchre unto this day. Why? Why in Judas does it talk about does it talk about Michael and Satan arguing over the body of Moses? Why? I don't know. I mean, I, don't, I have my, uh, my guess, you know, could Satan reanimate Moses' frame and use it to take the children of Israel off in a direction they shouldn't go? Or is it just this Israel's natural propensity to enshrine everything? Um, and this kind of a, a natural propensity towards idolatry here anyway? I don't know. Moses was 120 years old when he, when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural force abated. What is that saying? It says, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Well, what did he die of? His natural force wasn't abate, abated. He had all the vigor that he ever had. He didn't even need glasses. Think about that. He said, did he see Dan with his natural eye? Can't, can't be done. But he, he didn't need glasses. Isn't that Jericho over there? No, he just, he could, his, his, his eyesight wasn't dimmed. Wow, I, I, I can't claim that. I'm wearing contacts right now. Moses is 120 years old, and he's just as young as he ever was. Why? Because he's a picture of the law. The law doesn't age. I think that's the whole thing. That's the whole picture. It's God's blessing, to be sure, in the natural. And the, the supernatural picture that's being painted here is the law doesn't get old. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. Full 30 days. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands upon him. And the children of Israel hearkened unto him, as did, uh, and did as the Lord commanded Moses. So they start obeying uh, Joshua. Good thing, good thing for Joshua. Starts out well. Joshua is a wonderful character in Scripture. Not, no ill is recorded, no sin certainly. It wasn't uh, Joshua and Bathsheba, you know what I mean? He's a, he's a really good character, uh, but his his ministry ends up kind of sad. You know, you read to the end of uh, uh, Joshua and the, you, the the book of Judges, every man doing what was right in his own eyes, and it's catastrophic. It's fun reading, but it's not. Godly, nothing godly happens when everyone's doing what's right in, in his own eyes. Uh, and there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. In all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land. Never a guy like Moses. You're thinking like, boy, I'd like to have been Moses. I'd like to have that face-to-face -face conversations with God. Like, well, he said knew him face-to-face, -face, but you remember when he says, I want to see your face, and he says, you can't, no, you wouldn't really. Uh, no one's going to see my face and live, but I'll let all my goodness. He said, I want to see your glory. But he said, I'll let all my goodness pass. And he held him in the cleft of the rock by his hand, and, and he kind of saw the after effects. Um, but there was never been a prophet like Moses. Interesting, interesting. You say, oh, boy, I'd like to have been Moses. I bet Moses would say, boy, I'd like to be in the church. I say, Adam, what makes you say that? Well, 
John the Baptist comes along and Jesus has never been a greater than John the Baptist, not born of women, of course, excepting himself. Never been like, like, uh, like John. Oh, by the way, greater is he that is in the church. Uh, greater is he that is in Christ than, than, than John. Uh, he's talking about like everybody in the church is in a greater position than John is. And he just said John's the greatest who ever lived. I think uh, Moses... You think all the signs and wonders, that's incredible. But Moses would say, you mean you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you? Moses never experienced that. I mean, think it all the way through. Moses is great. I mean, hardly anyone greater than Moses in Scripture, except everybody's in the church. Think that all the way through. All the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants to all his land. And in all that mighty hand and in all that great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. Uh, okay, we'll end there. Um, thus ends the Pentateuch. Uh, again, next week we'll, we'll get in Romans. And one more thing I want to say. I was thinking this in the back of my mind. I can't come out Wednesday and I got other commitments, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. That's fine. You know, you still do the homework. I think it'll be a benefit to you. It's online. Uh, is it? It, it? it is before Wednesday night. and Usually it's not Micah's fault. I mean, it's not Micah's fault ever. It's when I get it to him, he posts it. And uh, so, you know, it's there. And so if you get online and stuff and, you know, look up. I don't know what it's under. I Checked it out once or twice before. It's easy, it's easy enough to find. I was looking for it and I was hardly even trying. So, you know, you can look that up, answer the questions even if you can't be with us on Wednesday night. Okay, let's stand. Our worship uh, team will come and send us out of here in song. Lord, thank you for your many blessings that have been ours in this book. It's uh, really been, I think, life-altering. Well, your word always is. It gives life. It's, it's living. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And I thank you for all the things you've taken opportunity to teach us. If there's any among us, Lord, who haven't conquered our giants yet, and this, we're still in that place of mind-numbing fear or that place of lust or discouragement or wherever the wherever Satan would have us be and we still haven't got to that place of victory yet Lord teach us help us to step out in faith and uh, overcome our Sihons and Ogs and take hold of the things which you've taken hold of us Lord the promised land Lord the place where the promises of God are realized. We want that in our own life as well. So help us to attain that, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.